Hey, everybody. Doing stuff all by yourself? You ever gone out and changed your own oil or finished your own basement? How about growing your own cabbage? Why is it all so satisfying? We'll find out next on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. NASA's latest Mars mission has successfully landed an SUV-sized rover on the planet's surface, and their efforts have earned the praise of President Obama. President Barack Obama says NASA's successful mission to put a robotic rover on Mars is an unprecedented feat of technology. A statement says the United States of America made history. He says the accomplishment gives the space agency a much-needed boost and proves even the longest odds are no match for American ingenuity and determination. He congratulated the NASA workers who made the remarkable accomplishment a reality. Carlotta Bradley, Washington. While President Obama is praising NASA, Mitt Romney is celebrating a success of his own as the campaign cash donations from last month have been reported. It's the third straight month that Mitt Romney and the Republican Party have pulled in the most money. Romney and the RNC say they raised $101 million last month. That's a third more than the $75 million that the president and the Democratic National Committee raised. The Obama re-election campaign says 98% of its money came from people who donated $250 or less, with the average donation about $53. The Romney camp says 26% of its money came in donations of less than $250. Jerry Bodlander, Washington. Officials in Congress and at the White House are supporting a measure that would make Olympic athletes' winnings tax-free. There's legislation in both the House and Senate that would exempt from taxes the cash prizes that Olympians get for winning gold, silver, and bronze medals. White House Press Secretary Jay Carney says the president backs the effort and would sign the measure into law if it reaches his desk. To ensure that we are doing everything we can to honor and support our Olympic athletes who have volunteered to represent our nation at the Olympic Games. The prizes run from $25,000 for a gold medal to $10,000 for a bronze. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. One athlete who would benefit from that legislation is Gabby Douglas, who already has two golds. But she had had less success competing on the uneven bars. Gabby Douglas wasn't expected to medal in the uneven bars, and any chance she had ended when she stalled on a handstand. Douglas, already with two golds, finished eighth out of eight competitors. The gold medal goes to Russian Aliyah Mustafina, who caps an impressive comeback from a knee injury. It's Russia's first gold in women's gymnastics at these games, and Mustafina adds it to her team silver and her all-around bronze. Silver goes to Britain's Beth Tweddle, the bronze to China's Heike Shin. John Klobuchar, London. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend. Your relationship coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can every day on the show to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. And today we're going to do it again. We're going to be talking about the do-it-yourself revolution. Apparently there are a lot of people. If you don't believe me, go to Home Depot or Lowe's or any hardware store on a Saturday and you will see people lining up to take advantage of the do-it-yourself revolution. And uh, I don't quite understand it because I've never 
seemingly, I don't know, I don't think I know how to do it myself. We're talking about redoing your basements. Actually, we're not. I'm just going to bring up a little incident because we are finishing our basement and fixing some things. And we have a real do-it-yourselfer guy there that just comes in and he's like, you know what? What we've got to do is we just got to we got to just lay a line right through the hole, right through the. I'm going to drill a hole right through your wall, and then I'm just going to push uh, some some tubing, blah blah blah, through it. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're going to drill a hole. He goes, well, you can drill it. And I'm like, no, I can't. I don't know how to drill a hole through my walls. I might hit something. He goes, ah, you won't hit anything. Even if you hit something, we can fix it. <sighs> it's scary. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And so we are bringing in a do-it-yourself gardening expert who really, honestly, I think you're going to fall in love with. Her name is Joy Bossy. She uh, is the host of a radio show, Joy in the Garden, and is just seriously amazing. You'll feel, you'll feel the connection of when somebody is just knows how to do something, we're going we're gonna to light you up and get you excited about an expert and and why some of this stuff, knowing how to do it is so valuable to you, why knowing how to do it could be valuable for your family, and how to catch the fever of the do-it-yourself world, especially with Joy, we'll be talking about the garden and uh, how she fell in love with it, what keeps her going, because really, I guess it's got to be something when it's your job. Uh, some of our producers here are giddy about just having Joy uh, somewhere in the vicinity one of them, Corinne Collins especially, um, has just got a million questions and is passing around um, invitations for those that want to have a chance at getting some of her basil, and, which I guess is an, an herb. And um, and so we're going to be talking about talking to Joy about that. Also, I just want to figure out, too, how you find excitement in something that is really hard. Uh, we have been finishing our basement, like literally sanding stuff. Cleaning, tons of cleaning, tons of vacuuming, tons of painting. I went home the other day uh, to my wife had been telling me how hard she's been working. She's been working so hard. And I could hardly wait to get there. And I show up, walk in. We've had friends helping and volunteering. And I walk in and I see the paint. And she's like painted the whole basement. And I didn't like the paint because it looked like salmon color to me. And um, what do you say? What do you say when the paint just doesn't look right? I just said, ooh, yikes. Is this – are you putting another coat on? Okay, little rule out there for you in relationshipville. Don't ever use the word yikes when you walk into a room that was just painted because you, if you do, you're probably not going to be talking to your partner for a while. So uh, anyway, we kind of worked our way through it and apparently it's staying <laughs> because we are not doing it again. Um, but it's a big deal, this do-it-yourself revolution. And I'm not sure where I lost the excitement about wanting to be outdoors. I don't know. quite. Or, I mean, going to the work in the garden. Because we have a garden location on our property, and it grows incredibly high weeds. Um, and apparently you have to pull those. Um, and if you don't, it'll just eat out everything else in the garden. So I'm going to talk to Joey about that. I don't have a green thumb. I'm not a contractor. I don't really know how to do anything by myself. So that is our goal. How do you catch this revolution? How do you get some excitement in your life about gardening? Uh, maybe Joy can even give us other ideas about just how to how to capture the excitement about being able to to do it yourself, to grow your own food, for example, to eat something that you've been uh, that you've grown that you've taken care of. So it really would be powerful. But before that, 
Why would I pay someone to mow my lawn when I could do it myself, right? Or better yet, have one of my kids do it. That is so true. Use self-reliant types. Sorry, us, all of us here that are so self-reliant. I'm actually not one of them. My children would, they're more self-reliant than I am. Uh, Self-reliant types are a rare breed, right? A proud breed. If you want to join our ranks, however, here's Tom Brinton with more about the quest to do it yourself. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning. I'd hammer in the evening all over this land. Since the invention of the hammer, people have looked at things and thought to themselves, I could build one of those. It is an attitude especially ingrained into North American culture, the do-it-yourself attitude. Since Thomas Edison, our culture has celebrated inventors and glorified entrepreneurs as the embodiment of the American dream. To be a self-made man has traditionally been the highest honor one could achieve. Then somewhere along the way, we got lazy. People decided that when one of their appliances broke, they wouldn't try to fix it, they'd just go buy a new one. Much of it has to do with the ever-increasing technology barrier. Bust open a washing machine today, and it's all circuit boards and LEDs. We know how to work things, but we don't know how things work. But in other areas, the do-it-yourself or DIY ethic is making a real comeback. People are sewing and crocheting their own clothes, building their own rocking chairs, and modifying their electronics. Growing your own food, once the norm, is becoming popular again. Nowadays, I often hear professional photographers bemoaning the democratization of their discipline due to the digital camera and Photoshop. Recording engineers complain that too many people try to produce their own music as well, often with less than stellar results. Well, the fact here is lots of people don't want to build a better mousetrap, they just want to build their own mousetrap and do it for a lot cheaper. The satisfaction that comes from building things with your own hands and in your own way is undeniable. And as long as people search for their individuality, the DIY phenomenon will still be around. Good work, Thomas. Again, he does it. And you know what? This do-it-yourself thing, its uh, I think it's here to stay. It's getting expensive, as, as we all know, to make things work. It's getting more complicated. I'm sitting there um, trying to take a switch off of my, at my house, a light switch. I'm like, how hard could that be? I mean, there's just electricity running through it. So I took the switch off, pulled it out, and I see sparks sparking inside. So I'm like, well, that's dangerous. So I just put it back on. <laughs> what, what could be worse? than having sparks on the outside when they could be on the inside of your walls. Anyway, went down and told my handyman that. He's like, yeah, you're not going to want to – we now got to fix that for sure. I'm like, okay, well, you're how much an hour? I think we'll just do that. We'll just pay you to go do that right now. So we're bringing in Joy Bossy, uh, who really is a pleasure. We're going to bring her in after this next break, and we're going to pick her brain about how do you get enthusiastic? How do you get excited about a garden? about taking on a do-it-yourself project. She does a lot of, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do outside in your yard with your deck. And uh, I just on television and radio, Joy, I'm pretty sure, has done it all. Everything you'd ever want to do outside to make your house look prettier, your yard look prettier, your lawn look more beautiful. We'll be getting to that with uh, the enthusiast Joy Bossy after this right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Big time sport fishermen now have a secret weapon that's better than any simple lure. Stay tuned and we'll give you the big picture. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. The captains of ocean-going fishing boats have long known that flocks of seabirds herald a feeding spot with lots of fish nearby. But thanks to technology, the scale of that relationship has changed, and the birds are now hundreds of kilometers overhead, as in satellites. Thanks to NASA technology transfer programs, data from EOS, or the Earth Observing System of Satellites, is used by commercial services to show anglers the most likely ocean areas for successful sport fishing. EOS satellites collect raw climate data. The Short-Term Prediction Research and Transition Center at Marshall Space Flight Center, nicknamed SPORT, then distributes EOS information on ocean surface temperatures and the amount of chlorophyll present in different locations. People normally associate chlorophyll with plants on land, but plankton use it as well. That plankton in turn feeds progressively larger fish all the way up to the big guys, tuna, sailfish, and tarpon. The satellite data can help hone in on favorable fishing grounds in two-kilometer patches across whole oceans, turning fish stories into trophy catches. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. And after each weekend's action, don't miss True Blue. Each week, join hosts Dave McCann and the entire True Blue team as they bring you highlights, analysis, and interviews from all the major BYU sports. New episodes air every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with repeats Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Here on the home of Cougar sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We uh, we have got a special guest, a highly trained professional. A media professional is in the room with us, the studio with us. We are going to bring on now um, Joy Bossy, who is, uh, she, if you lived in Utah, you'd know a Joy. Everybody knows Joy. She is the host of her own radio show on KNRS in Utah uh, called Joy in the Garden. She also does TV with Good Things Utah um, and She's written a couple books. We'll get to the books as well. She's got a degree in botany and uh, taught labs at Brigham Young University here where we're broadcasting from. She also has a career that she's worked in nurseries and on television, radio. She is the queen. And more importantly, she's full of joy. Joy Bossy, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure, Matt. Seriously, I just think, and I've listened to you a long time, and I don't even like gardening. I just (laughs) like to hear your stories, and I love your stories about just like... Like, oh, the temperature. Like, the temperature's getting there, and I'm starting to get antsy to get something in the garden or to get something out of the garden. You've got such a great spirit. And that's one of the things we want to bring up is why is it and, – and we've got to do a little bit of a, a little story we want to play first. But I want you thinking while we do this little story, um, I want you to be getting ready to answer one question. Where does all the excitement come from? Because I've yet to find it. And all my neighbors are telling me it's there. It's there. But I need your help we'll because I'm so messed up that way. <laughs> and, um, in fact, they were just telling me during the break that I'm supposed to turn my power off before I start taking the plates off for my lighting and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, little whatever. work to be done yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Um, okay, so when a person thinks about sustaining or do-it-yourself projects, the word gardening comes to mind. 
I like tomatoes as toppings on salads, sandwiches, even diced up with some onion and sprinkled onto a hot dog as a tasty ketchup alternative. But have you seen produce prices? Ah! They're just plain expensive. $3 bottle of ketchup gives me enough squirts to eat hot dogs for 40 days. I could eat $3 of tomatoes in just one meal. So since we're on a DIY kick today, I decided to be cheap and grow my own tomatoes. Now, I don't own any property, so I got onto Craigslist and found the cheapest lot in town. Too small to build a house on, so I got it for a steal. $45,000. My own 6,200-square-foot piece of agricultural gardening heaven. Now, it does have a parking lot on it, so that's got to go. Another five grand to a demolition contractor to haul it away, leaving me with flat, ready-to-till soil once I buy the tiller. A 2006 Bobcat skid steer loader with roto attachment. That's about another seven grand. Seed, another 30 bucks. Fertilizer and pesticides. Then the cost of water. Not cheap in August in the Rocky Mountains. And I'm going to need to take a lot of time off work to make this a success. So I add in lost wages. Sounds expensive, but when all is said and done, I wind up with this big table full of tomatoes, which I eat two a day for about two months before the rest go bad and I have to throw them all out. Oh yeah, add in city garbage fees. And while I'm at it, property taxes. Oh yeah, mortgage interest too. And the attorney fees I'll have to pay when the bank finally frowns on my agricultural experiment the way Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams should have ended. If I take into account all those costs and then divide by the 60 tomatoes I actually enjoyed, I get a grand total of... $1,105 per tomato! See, that's just messed up. <clears throat> you know, uh, saving money is probably not the reason We're you doing go this. into fresh produce. No, nah. it, it, no, no. But like, okay, so what would it take you to make a tomato? Because you are the master. You mean like the one I had for lunch? Yes. yes. Oh, I bet it tasted so good. Oh, it so was good. so good. In fact, it was two different kinds. I, w- I was trying a new kind Ooh. Uh, to compare and my old favorite one. But it's always good to try a new one. Now, money saving uh, is it's rarely going to happen. Now, it can. Yeah. It can if you already uh, have all the canning material, you yeah. know what you're doing, and you have su- uh, sufficient space to actually get more than two zucchini at a time or, you know, something like that. Like my neighbor that has like 5,000 zucchini. Yes, and the whole neighborhood That's right. We all celebrate. It's great. Except at a certain point, everybody turns their lights off at night and (laughs) pretends they're not home. Keep your zucchini away from here. Uh, So money is not necessarily... uh, I'm not sure it's even on the list, Matt. I really don't think it is. But there are a lot of things that are high on the list. Yeah. Let's put taste right up there at the top. Oh, see, a garden tomato, seriously, with a little salt and pepper. Ah, yeah. Yeah, you hang a salt shaker out in the garden, see, so you can can eat eat it right there there while they're warm. Oh, do you do that? Oh, yeah. In fact, we even have a picture of one in one of our books. Love Um, it. But, you know, potatoes fresh out of the garden taste almost as good in comparison to those old things in the grocery store. store. So so there's taste. Yeah. then there's nutrition yeah. because our produce anywhere in the United States has traveled roughly 1,500 miles oh, to get to your grocery store. Yeah. And that's average. Yeah. Okay, so that's average. In the back average. of some truck. Yeah, and they have been modified in a way that they ship well. Mm. 
And when you modify to ship well, you usually genetically dump things like, oh, flavor. Taste, yeah. Uh-huh, and con- yeah. consistency, mm-hmm. texture. So, so flavor and nutrition right up there. And then there's the safety factor. Yeah, tell me about that yeah, because that seems it, really important now. It, it is, and it, it has been heightened in yeah. the last uh, five, ten years. Yeah. Everybody now can say E. coli oh, yeah. and salmonella. Totally, because the spinach outbreak and all, all of stuff. the different ones. Yeah. And you know what you put on there. Oh, yeah. Right? You know exactly what went in there. So it isn't just the disease organisms. It's how many pesticides oh, have gone on these crops. Um and when we say pesticide, it, it means kill anything that you don't want. So uh, snailicide, you know, oh, molluscicide, yeah, yeah. insecticide, herbicide. Oh, my heavens. People aside. Yeah, totally. Know, uh, these chemicals have been linked to, to more things than I would even like to think of. And to be totally free of them is impossible. See, Joy, that, though, is... So you, it's almost like, okay, so that's where the extremes would go is like, I don't want to be unhealthy, but those are just general fruits, no pun intended. Those are the fruits of gardening, mm-hmm. right? How do you get like the front end of that is the spirit to yes. want to do it? I guess that's where you're going. Yes. And once you get this uh, impetus yeah. to say, you know, I betcha. Yeah, I bet. And then where do you start is yeah. what you're asking. Where do you start? Because it's so overwhelming. It is. And I get uh, emails and calls on the radio all the time of, of folks who say, you know, now we have our own house and Grandpa isn't here anymore. And I sure <laughs> wished I had listened. If I had just talked to Grandpa. If I had just talked to Grandpa or Grandma yeah. or Mom or Dad. Anybody. And so I asked them, well, did your folks have a garden? Yeah. Usually they say, yeah. yeah. Well, did you learn anything there? And then they get stone-faced. Yeah, how to pull weeds. I know. Everybody's the weeder. Right? And, and that's what turned them off. Exactly. So my message to parents or those who are going to be parents is, for heaven's sakes, <laughs> it, don't use this as punishment. Yeah. This is not a gulag you're sending yeah. them to. This or you're going to never have a garden again. It, it, well, You'll have a fresh tomato ever again. It, you will, but you have completely deadened a yeah. generation that's to true. that happiness that can That's come true. in a garden. And so I'm I'm very much aware yeah. that you can turn it off maybe even before they recognize it was turned I on. Think you're right. So so where we start is with the realization that life is in the garden. I love that. And there is a therapeutic level when you touch soil. Yeah. Now not dirt. Okay, there's a difference okay, is between there, dirt and soil. Okay. Is there? Okay. Yeah, dirt is the stuff uh, that you sweep up in the kitchen or okay. the stuff that coats your car after a rainstorm yeah, right. uh, that washes down the gutter. That's yeah. dirt. Soil is a living organism. Rich. It, it isn't just – it smells good. Yeah. It feels good, but it's literally alive, not, not hypothetically yeah. alive. Um, the number of organisms – contained in just a cubic foot of soil, are, it's enough to boggle the mind. Holy so cow. you treat it like a living thing, hmm. and you have to grow your soil. There are some places in the United States, and we may have listeners out there, that actually know what topsoil is. Intermountain West, we haven't a clue. Is it all blown off? No, it never got made. Okay. We live in a desert. Yeah. Okay, desert people don't know topsoil. You have to have rain and organic matter to break down. Okay. Oh, desert has neither one. Yeah, that's right. You just have dirt, so we have to sand. grow the soil. So if yeah. you acknowledge the fact that you need that wonderful rich medium and you're in charge of it, yeah. okay, you get to grow 
the soil first. Any plant will be better if you grow your See, soil first. See, who thinks first. about growing your soil? But every farmer does. That's why they rotate their crops, right? Isn't that That's why they— That's one of the reasons, yes. That's um, and Now i gotta grow, I got to grow dirt? No, 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 no. You have to eliminate dirt, grow, I mean, grow soil. soil. That's yeah, right. there you go. Oh. And, and it makes a— Big difference. Oh, I so, bet it is, because then you've got something to work with. Yes, and the nutrition is available to the plants, so you don't have to put in so much fertilizer. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I teach my classes is that when you go for the chemical fertilizer and put it on the soil, you're actually killing uh. the living part of the soil. And so I try to wean them away yeah. from that into organic. But you need to be able to go out early in the morning see dew on the little flowers or on the cobweb. You need to smell the soil once you get it there. Even if you have to buy it, um, well, you can't buy it here in Utah. You can't really buy soil. You buy dirt. You buy dirt and then you make it soil. And then you make your soil. Uh, When you do that, there's an olfactory connection. There's a visual connection. Yeah, every sense... You is that have. what's going on out in the morning with my neighbors that are gardeners? That's what's it's happening. It's like they're having this relationship. It is exactly that. And it's one that transcends standing on the soil. Okay? Yeah. It is way more than that. Well, there it's is, almost spiritual, isn't it? Because it's... Very much so. You're creating. Very much so. There is an outside of yourself feeling that, that you are dealing with something different from you yeah. and in so many ways greater than you. Yeah. And you can contribute to that and then it gives back. I think that's beautiful. And that's the feeling that you need to it's, get in the garden. That's... It's, that is motherly. It's almost like parental. It's... Oh, Yes. And you probably noticed that gardeners yeah. get very, um, very possessive. No, they do. And don't very, they? oh yes, oh, man. yeah. I mean, if something happens, mm-hmm. oh, it's as bad as the kid falls down, and yeah. bumps his knee, <laughs> because you have invested not just your time and yeah. the money in that little spot's yeah. cute. It's slight exaggeration, but it's cute. Yeah. Uh, but you've also invested your emotions in there. That's huge. You know, and for me, it's a it's a therapeutic sort of thing. Uh, I'm on the nearing retirement end of my career but so many times it was a i couldn't say it to somebody or i couldn't do it yeah. to somebody and then i'd go out and those weeds didn't have chance <laughs> then not a Stay chance my, yeah. and yes you're, you know, I'm good. but there's a way to work off physical energy but it's the emotional energy i love that that is so critical i have a dear friend has a salt lake downtown salt lake garden and in the city in the city, all right? It's so a tiny little— it can little, be done. Yes, it can. The garden may be half again the size of our tiny little studio So what here. is that, like eight by eight, maybe? Uh, her, no, it's probably half again larger. So okay. maybe 15 okay, by yeah. 18, something like that. I would go to her garden on particularly emotionally wrenching times in my life because when I sat on the bench and put my feet on her garden, oh. I could feel— all of the strain and stress and pain drain just right drain out, out out my feet, and the garden just took it away. Huge. And that's the kind of that's experience. That's better therapy than you can buy. Yes. Oh, much better. This is just soil therapy. This is so. Oh, that's a nice phrase. Put that I like in your next that. Book. Yes. Soil, <laughs> soil therapy. I like that. It, it is healing, and um, even hearing you talk about it is just calming. You you really respect I do. Mother Nature, Mother Earth. I do, and she wins every time. Doesn't she? Yeah. It's her law that governs, right? Absolutely, and if you try to go against it, woe be unto everything you touch. I love that. But sometimes you have to learn by 
Oh, no. Oh, yeah. You don't plant those? And I ha- yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't I put my tomatoes out yet, says oh, the person no. while totally. it's snowing on That's the tomato. Right. There are ways to learn things that perhaps are a little less painful. Right. Um, having a mentor is one. A good book a is another. Book. Every community in the United States has somebody that's teaching gardening to oh, yeah. folks. Yeah, and they're usually Everybody. passionate. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yes, you have to be. But Matt, I think you have to be. This is not a this is not a, a for formula chunks. sort of thing. No. no, this is you have no. to feel it. And it's and you can I guess you can go at it from intellectual or spiritual or with so many different levels of it. When we come back, Joy. Um, I want we're going to pick your brain more mm-hmm. and I want to know more how you engage, how you create the spirit of it, how you get into it. Where should we begin? And um, everybody, if you're listening, go to joy in the dot com. Is that the best place to find out about you? Uh, that's the best place to find out about me. Yeah. Be- and we're is. going to be giving away a couple of Joy's books uh, by the end of the show. <laughs> but don't miss this chance to learn more from this incredible woman. She knows joy and uh, it's not just her name, but she knows joy and can find it in Mother Earth and the Garden. We'll have her back right after this on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Are there some global issues you wish you could know more about or get an inside perspective on? Notes from the Kennedy Center presents lectures and seminars from international diplomats and scholars discussing issues and events from all over the world. For the first time, The number of AIDS deaths in the world declined. Become a more informed global citizen and tune in to Notes from the Kennedy Center, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Police have identified the man who was killed by police after he allegedly murdered six people and wounded many others in a Sikh temple. The man who carried out the shootings is Michael Wade Page. Federal officials say he was an Army veteran who was busted in rank before his discharge in 1998. The 40-year-old Page was killed in a shootout with police who are responding to reports of gunshots at the Sikh temple. Investigators are trying to find out why Page opened fire there. Federal agents and a bomb squad evacuated several homes and searched a duplex in a nearby community. Six people were killed in the shooting rampage. Diane Kepley, Washington. The Syrian prime minister has become the latest blow to Assad's regime as he has defected to Jordan. It's by far the biggest crack in the regime of Syrian President Bashar Assad. His prime minister, Riyadh Hijab, fled to neighboring Jordan. Rebels say he took three cabinet ministers with him. The premier's spokesman is saying he was forced into taking the post two months ago and started planning his escape then. Assad's regime is taking heavy hits, generals defecting, security chiefs killed in a bombing. Battles with rebel forces in main cities. Assad still has his army, at least for now. Mark Levy, Cairo. Federal Reserve Chief Ben Bernanke is admitting that despite some economic gains, many U.S. households are still struggling. So how do you feel the economy is doing? In a speech on economic measurement, the Fed chairman said that while measures of consumer spending, income, and wealth point to improvement, it is clear that many individuals and households continue to struggle with difficult economic and financial conditions. Citing the Kingdom of Bhutan, which long ago gave up tracking its gross national product in favor of a measure of happiness, Bernanke said there have been interesting developments in the study of well-being. Maybe the government could add a well-being index to its monthly reports. David Melendi, Washington. 
A U.S. Olympic judo contender has been kicked out of the games after he tested positive for marijuana use. Nick Del Popolo was expelled after testing positive for marijuana he said he ate accidentally before arriving in London. Del Popolo is the first of the 10,500 athletes here at the Games to fail an in-competition doping test. His case is the fifth positive test for a banned substance reported by the IOC since its official London Games testing period began in mid-July. The IOC says it disqualified Del Popolo from the men's 73-kilo class where he placed seventh. He apologized to the U.S. team, acknowledging in a statement he was, quote, embarrassed by this mistake. John Klobuchar, London. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Joy Bossy, gardening extraordinaire. She <laughs> would hate all these great <laughs> accolades, but she really has an incredible spirit. And we're gonna we're gonna get into um, just some of her ideas, some of her ways of capturing the joy in the garden. Um, but we, before we do that, we want to talk a little bit about gracious gardening. Now, Bryce, one of our producers, is not a gardener, but he recently he ran into some statistical data that got him thinking. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. All right, I'm going to be a little shorter than usual today. As long as we're talking about gardening, I had a few thoughts on my mind. Around the 1800s, the human race hit the estimated 1 billion mark, and that got this guy Thomas Malthus thinking. At that time and with those resources, the earth would not have been able to support too many more people. Now, what he didn't accurately predict, the Industrial Revolution which pretty much made everything better for everyone. Ever since that time, people have had the problems of overpopulation on their minds, especially as we keep growing and keep growing. We have a little more than 7 billion people, and about 6 billion of us have enough food. There's a billion that don't, which is not cool, but 6 out of 7 isn't bad. Among things that we compete for, there's food, which I'm not really going to get into for gardening, there's space, and there's water. For space, the human race standing could fit in the size of Los Angeles. We've got space. Water is another crucial one. About 1% of the Earth's water is fresh water. About 70% of that water is frozen in glaciers. The rest of that is for all of us to use. Other than the water that we use to drink, our agriculture also needs fresh water. So which plant in the U.S. is irrigated the most? Well, if you're thinking corn, you're completely wrong. It is, in fact, grass. That's right. We are using more of our water for a plant that we don't eat than for the ones that we do eat. So I haven't done the math on this because I don't have the time. But think about it this way. A garden is way less plant and therefore way less water than grass. So if you make a garden, not only will you be able to make food for yourself, you will also be able to save water if it takes up enough of a portion of your yard. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. The Bryce is right. The Bryce is right. Don't you think? Did he nail it? He he really did. And, of course, we're broadcasting here from the middle of a desert. Yeah. And desert isn't measured by sand. It's measured by how little water you get right. through the year. And, and I have to keep reminding people of that because we have a, a green grass fetish here. Right. It, we totally it, We do. have to have it. You compete for it. Well, it's you the only thing I can judge grow. it. You know. <laughs> Uh, But he's right. There are things that grass does. It does it well. But it should be relegated to spots where it needs to do that. Those things. Yeah. Like what? Like keep the dirt off of your kids' feet. 
Okay. Good point. A yeah. place for kids to play where they won't track the mud in. A soft place so when they fall down, they don't break their yep. head. Playground. It is a cooling area. It is literally through oh, the trans- evaporation, evaporation and- cools things. Those things lawn does well. Yeah. But if the only time you walk on it is when you're behind the lawnmower... There are better things to plant there yeah. than turf grass. Yeah, like is that like xeriscaping? Is that all this other stuff? It can be, not necessarily, but it can be. Um, the water-wise planting has become the watch cry out here in the West. Uh, water originally, when they got here, was critical. Right. You know, all along yeah. the Intermountain West, and it's fighting words when you start talking oh, water don't shares mess with my water because share. water shares are often right. far more valuable than the land. So we are caught in that water thing. Mm-hmm. But I have found that it's very difficult to shift that paradigm yeah. fast. And so you do it a little at a time. You explained that lawn and concrete don't live well together. So bring the grass away from the sidewalk and the driveway. Uh, explain that weeds come where there's nothing else. So okay. how about creating paths where right. you can keep the walkways weeds down? Walkways. And, yeah. Much underused. Uh, I tell people, you want to make your garden look better? Double the walkway. Yeah, but it's less place to plant. No. <laughs> it, it's more constructed place to plant and less weeds, which That's usually true. gets their attention when yeah, you say I like the weed less, idea. less weeds. So the idea of a finite resource here and we have more and more people coming in. Okay, right. well, there's a collision That's coming right. there, and we aren't going to be able to put it up out much longer. And it isn't just the arid West. Right. You know, the whole United yeah. States is facing the same thing. So let's use the water resource we have wisely. And lawn can be an excellent addition to the oh, landscape. Right. But to have all lawn with two feet around the edge and three trees. No. See, that's, that's my backyard. Yeah, you just described I've, my backyard. I, I've seen with several. With a big cement Yes, pad. with the cement pad. Yeah. Uh, but, see, big cement pad, big lawn. Yeah. We're talking suburban oh, sprawl though. here. But you don't have to have that much space to be able to have fact, the benefits of the garden. Talk about Linus. Yes, my, my sweet Linus. He's he's my grandson. He's seven years old, and he and I have been gardening since he was just a little under three. Jeez. And the first thing we gardened with was herbs so that he could learn the smell and the yeah. touch and the taste. And they've got a lot of that. Right? Oh, wonderful. And he, he could name more herbs when he was may, maybe three and a half than most of my adult friends Have you could. heard of basil? I have heard of that. That's my new I think one today. I, the basil is a good herb, and you're quite right. It's an herb. Is it an herb? <laughs> it's an herb. I knew it was an good herb. Good on you. They good told me on that you. earlier. And it's one of the very, very favorites to That's grow. Yeah, around here, it's an annual. Okay. Uh, but it likes our hot, dry heat. Does so it? basil's a good okay, one. Okay, that's where I now, heard it. Now, our second book, The Incredible Edible Landscape, talks about putting edible things into an existing landscape without. Totally redoing the thing. You work into it gradually so that in Linus's case, he has his own – well, he says it's his garden. His mom and dad help. Uh, But he has his garden in the backyard. And he's known about tomatoes. He's known about tomato hornworms. He's known about peppers. He knows how to plant onions. All of this in a tiny little garden in a very small yard in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And every time they dig, they dig up pieces of coal. 
do their yeah. <laughs> coal so they mining the, yeah, 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 so he has a little pile of his coal. <laughs> but you don't need the quarter acre no. to be able to produce food and get all of the emotional and spiritual benefits from gardening. Yeah. In fact, you don't need ground to do that. You can, yeah, they have these elevated gardens Containers. now. Containers. You can put them in houses, right? Yeah, houses. Or windowsills. And... There brings us to the second restriction. Okay, yeah. water outside is a very limiting resource. Inside, it's light, light oh, intensity. Yeah. Things that we think are very bright are really quite dim Not even from close. the plant kingdom. But there are so many containers you can use. Uh, little gardens work well. Movable gardens work well on wheels that you can take instance, out and bring, and bring in. back in. Oh, that's great. Yes, or move it from the sun on this side, and when it gets shady, then you move it over there. If you want fresh, healthy produce, you're going to be able to grow it. You're going to be able to grow it anywhere, anywhere, as long as you have light, light and water. The source of of soil, yeah. which in this case will be the potting soil, yeah. like you use for house bags, and water. You can grow it if you have. Um, a space where, okay, you live in the basement, you don't get light. Right. Fluorescent lights will do it. Incandescent will not. Okay. LEDs will no, not. But fluorescents will. Uh, Mercury's, or uh, that but, yeah, the compact one. thingy. Yeah. But a fluorescent tube will. You can get fluorescent tubes that are the right wavelength, and you can grow inside. This is only legal things, though, right? Uh, <clears throat> Well, some people branch out from there, um, but yes, we'll I'm, I'm thinking good. honest tomatoes basil. here, you That's know, good. basil, yeah. things like that. But then you get to learn all kinds of other things like, huh, there's a blossom. Where does the pollen come from? Okay. And how does the pollen get to the blossom? Yeah, fill and us how, in. You know, because like, for instance, you're in your basement. You're in your basement. I There's have not a, a lot of bees flying I have around. a dear friend who starts his tomatoes in November and inside, down in the basement, yeah. under the lights. And he will have them in blossom uh, before uh, Valentine's Day. Oh, my heavens. But he's figured that you can pollinate tomatoes with an electric toothbrush. You oh, just have just... to have it go... Oh, and he just touches and them And he just touches See, the stem. See, but then you teach your kids the birds and the bees. Yeah, carefully, but yes, you do. <laughs> See, but all of a sudden, but the, if you try to liken the 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 electric toothbrush to many yeah, other no, the, the, the analogies, just not going to carry. No. But there are ways that to grow these things, uh, and even if all you grow is the tomato plant, yeah. or one little pot of carrots, or a single pepper plant, or radishes, because some people out there actually eat radishes. I think yeah, they're like terrible, but yeah. <laughs> but there are ways to do this. To fill all of those things we talked about earlier on, yeah. all of those conditions that improve our lives on so many levels. So it doesn't matter if you have a quarter acre no. or a, a four by four foot piece of dirt or one container. Yeah. You can do you it. You can do it. You can do it. Joy, I want to hear from you on um, – because to me there's this incredibly like spiritual connection to this – to earth. Yes. That – we seem to have gone away from, from, there's something, I mean, we're, we're fairly connected to it back in our history. Yeah, and we've by moved, necessity. We've, we've moved away from it. What are we losing? Like, what do we lose when we lose that connection? And what is the connection? One of the things I think we lose is the ability to empathize, to be able to see something that goes wrong and feel bad for it. Oh, yeah. And want to step in and fix it. Now, 
that is at a primal level something that we as humans should share. Oh, sure. But when all you have is hardscape and big tall buildings and produce counters and but there's no soil involved, yeah. then you become unto yourself. You're just a receiver. You're just a receiver. You're not giving anything. When you work in the soil, walk on real soil. If, if folks who live in the jungles of the downtown, the yeah. urban jungles, yeah, and have never been to a forest are going to have a hard time relating to this. But if there's a way to get them off the pavement into a living, growing, breathing forest yeah. of trees. To me, I have one bumper sticker and it says trees are the answer. Oh, it doesn't matter what the question right. is. Trees are the trees. answer. We have lost that connection. We've lost that ability to extend ourselves. There's a, a modicum of faith and hope that goes into every gardener yeah. because you put the seed in the ground and I teach, I teach little children, now this is a watermelon seed. I'm going to plant it to get corn. And they pause for a minute and they look at me no, you're not. <laughs> and they understand then that what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. And it isn't a matter of putting it in, turning your back, walking away, and giving it a good luck sign. No. It, it's an interconnection that takes you from the very beginning, even if you – hard to believe this little seed's going to do that. Yeah. And then, so you have faith to put it in there, yep. and then you hope through the winter that something didn't eat it or kill it, oh, and then the little green thing comes up. And that's the aha moment that, honestly, even if it's a weed, if it's green and new in the spring, that's an aha moment. Oh, it's huge. It, it's big. And that's why I'm big on – in areas that have um, winter yeah. in the United States, you can put spring bulbs in the ground in the fall. They disappear from they're sight. Gone. They're yeah, gone. Under snow, underground. And if you have gophers, they're really gone. But <laughs> but but most of us, they're just out of sight, out yeah. of mind, until you've lived through the long winter. Yeah. And you can draw that parallel to any winter in your life. That's right. That when disease, you, that loss of a child, that cancer. All of those winters that yeah. are so difficult to just slug through. And then comes spring, when you so desperately need it. Yeah. Out comes not only this little green, yeah. but up. Pops bright color. That's right. Bright color. And they're ephemeral. They don't last no. very long. But that's when we need it. Yeah. And that's the connection, I think, that's I lost. I love it. Uh, Linus has a school garden, and it's under an umbrella called Grow Pittsburgh. And it was their little family's turn to tend the whole garden for the school because yeah. they farm it out, you know, yeah. during Everyone's the summertime. Got, yeah. And then chefs from uh, restaurants around Pittsburgh come, and whatever's in season, they harvest it. They prepare it, and the kids get to taste it. Oh, how great is that? So there's the entire the cycle. Circle. Then it goes back into compost. Back so to the soil, right? Back to the soil, and that's what really grows the soil. So we're teaching the circle of life. Yeah. We're teaching faith. We're teaching hope. We're teaching cooperation. Oh, man. We're teaching interdependency. Right. Law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. Yes. All of those things come out of a garden. And to think, we just thought it was a garden. Uh, it's not so a garden. Much more. See, but so there's only more. more. It seems like joy when there's the passion. You people just need to get in and taste it, don't they? They do. They need to taste it. They need to feel it. They need to feel a success. Uh, one of my driving passions is make sure you can grow something. Yeah. And I'll do anything I can to let you have that success that because once you get that success, then it doesn't matter how many failures. Yeah, totally. Because then you say, like every gardener does, ah. Yeah, but next year in the garden. Next year, And okay. suddenly 
you're looking ahead. And you're and you know what? People need that. You know, there's not enough. It's hard. Life is harder. Right it's now. hard, and it gets harder. It does. But it, I love too that this is one of my favorite quotes: "Is the um, the system reflects its creator." Yes. And so that's what you see: is this gives you a chance to be a creator and a, a work giver. in tandem uh-huh. with the creator uh, as exactly. well. Exactly. Because the power in is not in you. No, it's in the seed. Yet you can enable it, or you can disable it. And you can do the wrong things, and you can do the right things, and you get to pay for either one. Love it. And so it's a, it isn't an immediate result because, you know, maybe it's a nasty tomato you planted yeah. this year. <laughs> but we learn. <laughs> but you learn, and you'd learn by getting out there and doing it and sharing it. Right. And that's the neat thing I think about gardeners is they're always sharing. Always sharing. That's, yes. I guess that's part of the spirit of gardening. It is. And, and you want to have people feel like this and yeah. understand – that there's goodness there. The goodness and the passion of it. Yes. Okay, so Joy Bossy, she's brought us two books. She's written two books. One is Joy in the Garden. No, no. No, no, it's not. not Joy in Your Garden. Yes. Not see? in the it, garden. Yeah. In Joy your in Your Garden, garden. <laughs> A Seasonal Guide to Gardening by Joy Bossy and Karen Basto. And The Incredible Edible Landscape by Joy Bossy and Karen Basto. Now, Joy's going to be giving these away, but we are only giving two of them away. So we're going to need you to give us a call. Give us a call at 801 801- 422-8439. That's 801-422-8439. And you will get one of these books. First two callers to call get to benefit from Joy's books. But other than that, you can go where, Joy, to get your books? Uh, you can go online to joyinthegarden.com yeah. or any uh, online bookstore. Most, Are there videos of, of you teaching? Ones. There are, but not for public consumption. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I'm telling you, you haven't lived till you've seen Joy. Just She's just so passionate. Thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. You are the best, and we're for sure going to have you back on because we need to pick your brain. Oh, we need to do more. You are the best. Joy Bossy, go to joyinthegarden.com or give us a call if you want one of those two books, 801-422-8439, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page and Twitter at BYU Radio. The biggest ear on the planet brings galactic scale challenges for computing. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. People thought the Large Hadron Collider at CERN in Switzerland was a big project, and it is. So big, a side effect of building it created the World Wide Web as we know it today. So, is there something else coming that's as big as that project? You bet. It's the biggest ear for listening to space ever designed, called the Square Kilometer Array. Thousands of radio telescopes from 20 countries will be networked into one virtual dish. Construction will take over a decade, and it too will spin off life-changing tech as a side effect. The array will generate over an exabyte of data per day. That's a one with 18 zeros behind it, over twice the capacity of today's entire internet every day. The storage and computer power to process that has yet to be perfected, but when it is, it will make today's best computers look like stone tools. Considering how the web transformed the world, imagine the future spin-off uses for that transformative level of processing power. Just try. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. 
Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For daily updates throughout the fall camp, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Wagner. You can as well contact me there with any questions or comments about the football team. As well, don't miss the first episode of the new season of True Blue, which airs tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, both on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Dave McCann and the entire True Blue team break down the fall camp so far. And I'll be back on Thursday's edition of the Sports Break with more news from fall camp. I've been Wagner. Until then, your sports break is over. Kids, back to work. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been talking about gardening. We had Joy Bossy in the gar- from the garden here and uh, just filling us in, giving us, oh, I love her spirit. The, the excitement she has about something as simple as gardening, which is really not simple. It's very, very complex. As far as giving away the books, again, if you want to copy the book, uh, we've already given one away to Mike from Maryland. Uh, Mike's one of our listeners that called into 801-422-8439, 801 422 Eight four three nine, and he has uh, he's already got one of those books. So we've got one more waiting for the next caller. Now we've got to go to wrap up our show, and who better to wrap it up with than Jackie Tataishi, who's with us here from Highway eighty nine, one of BYU radio's station or uh, shows. That's right, Jackie. Now here's the deal. Yes. Now Jackie, those of you that don't know Jackie, she is a competitive pumpkin grower. Well, she doesn't even know that. I just made that up. You've this is my of, first year. You've heard of competitive food eaters, like the hot dog that people that just eat competitively. You're growing a monster pumpkin. That's right. Lola. Lola. Lola we from... named her. Where did you get the name Lola for your pumpkin? It just fits. I think it's from Bill Cosby. I think it's from watching the Bill Cosby show. <laughs> He'd always say Lola. Lola yeah. Was, yeah, I love Lola. So you are, okay. You, this is the first time you've grown like a huge monster pumpkin? Yeah. So what happened was is my husband, he he does not work in agriculture at all. He he works for a tech firm and everything. <laughs> but he comes home one day with this little plant, and it's a giant – it's supposed to be a, a giant pumpkin it's plant. It's a mega plant. And he says, my work is having a competition. Everybody at work – picked up a plant today <laughs> and whoever grows the largest pumpkin by october 31st is going to get a really 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 big so you're prize. going for it well they gave us this is a company that took us to italy and greece last year on a luxury cruise so you whatever really really big means you know i mean i want to compete big. i i no, want to sure i want to go in did so. you hear jo- you got to go back and listen to joy's segment because it starts with the soil you oh, may yes. not know this yes. do you know this I, only now soil and you need you need fertilizer Oh, this this plant, but like not chemical. This, you need manure. We, we we give it a lot. We call it plant roids. This thing takes <gasps> a lot of plant. Food, <laughs> Does it really? A lot of plant food. We I I bring gallons and gallons and gallons of plant food. It's going to be feed this sick. Beast. You know what else? You've got to go get horse manure, and you're supposed to knead the manure into the soil with your bare hands. Oh, did you oh. not hear the show? Uh, Okay. I didn't hear that particular part. That was part. a different part. You maybe didn't hear that part. But I'm pretty sure she meant with your bare hands. Um, but part of this, Jackie, you're, you're going for the money. Now, these things can get big. Are you ready for how big this can get? What if it, likes, what if it gets five times bigger than 
ever. Because what is the normal weight of a winning? Like, what's a winner? I think like? they're. So last year, the largest pumpkin grown in Utah was sixteen hundred pounds. Wow. I mean, that's just gargantuan. Do you know how much pie that could it's, make? It's gargantuan. I, I don't even think you can use them in pie. They're kind of useless afterwards. It's just kind they're of just a, this big rock. Look what I grew. Orange, I'm so great. An orange but, rock. But Lola, so what I did is I did realize that it would get really big. And so I actually paid a farmer to let me plant my pumpkin plant on his land. So I'm taking care of it, but it's on his land because there's no way in your regular backyard you cannot grow this thing. Well, right. And you may need his tractor. Yeah, Plus, well, if, I definitely need his water because this thing, oh, that's true, we huh? have to water it for five hours at a time. It drinks something like 40 gallons a day at least. Its root system is twice the size of the plant. The vines are 25 feet long. Oh, my heavens. It's, it's enormous. You know what? I think you're, you didn't know what you were stepping into. I had no idea. Because now you've like subletted a farm. Yeah. With yeah. a river running through it probably. Oh, yeah. And now this thing's going to get big and then you're going to have to put it in your station wagon. Yeah. How are you going to get it home? I don't know. It's going to be a team effort. What if it's it just super fun? Okay, so what if it doesn't produce and it just ends up being I don't know, like one of those little mini pumpkins you see on the table? So far, it's already beat the mini pumpkin, so Has we're it? okay. So, Is so it getting at least bigger? I won't have that. I have to admit, I knew going into it, there's a good chance that this thing could just you know die at uh. any time, and um, it may not get very large, but. I just really wanted to be outside. I love growing things. I wanted to be out there watering and watch the sunset. I wanted to. You need to I talk wanted to, to give it. it a world. Have you been talking to it? I talk to it. Do you rub on it? You need to rub like we aloe date cream night on it. Did you? At the pumpkin. <laughs> and and it's been great. Though. It's been great. Is it bringing you guys closer together? Because that's what we talk about it, on the show a lot. Sometimes it brings us closer together, other times. Have we had a pumpkin fight yet? Over Lola, the Only unborn the, child. The Olympics is starting. Somebody, somebody's about to race against somebody else, and we're out there <laughs> nailing in posts for the oh windshield, the wind barrier, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, Jackie. So what's happened to us? It's, I don't know. It's just Lola. a pumpkin. Well, I I gotta commend you. I guess it's it seems like a lot for just a little. It's hey, fun. And if it doesn't work out for you, you can just go buy one. Yeah. No one would know. Well, that's uh, cheating. I won't do that. Okay, Jackie Tata Ishii from Highway 89. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep you posted on this incredible uh, undertaking she's going after. She is going for the money. Sixteen hundred pound pumpkin. It's gonna happen. I- 